This is the MG Car Club Podcast. On this episode, can planting trees really keep our MGs on the road? The MG Car Club Podcast. Hello, welcome to another MG Car Club podcast. Hope you're keeping well in this run-up to Christmas. Wayne Scott with you. Very good to have you back with us here on the MG Car Club's official podcast. And as we run up to Christmas, it's been a busy time in the MG Car Club. Lots of news to share with you. The first of which is that we have a new acting general manager within the MG Car Club, working with a team at Kimber House in Abingdon, where the club that brings you this podcast is based. Uh, Mike Stafford is taking over the role, and he works just a couple of days a week, Tuesday and Wednesday, looking after things down there. And this comes following Roy Lowcock stepping down due to uh, ill health. So we wish Roy all the best of luck. He's been fantastic over the last few months guiding the club forward through, let's be honest, some pretty weird times with all that COVID stuff going on. And uh, it seems to be really in its ugly head again so big thanks to Roy and if you fancy working with the MG Car Club then in fact there is a vacancy for a general manager Mike Stafford is sitting in for a while but ultimately the MG Car Club are looking for someone else to lead the club forward into the future could it be you you can find all the details on the job vacancy what the job entails and what the qualifications are that you need if you want to take it on via the website at mgcc.co.uk forward slash news and news is the thing the first bit of news to share with you is that uh, there was a bit of concern recently over the department for transport's consultation document entitled the future of transport regulatory review and on first glance this consultation document seemed to suggest that modifications to cars like we all do to our mgs let's be honest whether it be from taking the points out and replacing it with electronic ignition through to some serious mods with modern engines in midgets that we've even featured on this podcast it happens it's all part of our community so there was some concern amongst the mg community that this might be the case however the fbhvc have been fighting on our behalf as usual and they've released a very reassuring list of correspondences and a position statement as a reply to the department for transport consultation and in a nutshell basically it means that the consultation the document and any legislation arising from it really is focused on autonomous vehicles of the future and those vehicles already built have nothing to fear however we will keep abreast of developments on that and keep you up to date as well again you can read this on the mg car club website at mgcc.co.uk forward slash news over at MG Motor UK, it's been an amazing few months for those guys, and even more amazing when you think that the car industry has really suffered throughout COVID. The last two years have been a torrid time for the automotive industry in general. So at a time when everyone else is struggling, how brilliant is it that our beloved MG brand has been doing so well? In fact, they recorded an astonishing 383.1% sales increase on this time last year. Uh, that's due mainly down to their rapidly increasing sales network across the UK. They're adding dealerships almost daily, it seems, at the moment, but also a brand new website that they've launched over at mgmotor.co.uk. Go and have a look at that if you've got a spare five minutes. Lots of sexy new cars on there to drool over. And it's no surprise, really, that the big seller for them, the car that's increasing all those sales for them, is the MG ZS EV as the appetite for electric vehicles grows and grows and grows amongst consumers on the UK roads. Uh, and it was award-winning as well. The MG 
ZSEV was named Car of the Year by Driving Electric just a couple of weeks ago, which is a very coveted prize in the EV sector. And the MG scooped the Electric Car of the Year, which is the one to win, really, beating all of its competitors. It really is exciting to see the MG brand still continuing and still making history because really ahead of everyone else, MG are pioneering electric vehicles that normal people like me can actually buy. So it's excellent to see that. There's been lots of new announcements happening and lots of new initiatives being taken up. And the first of which is the MG Car Club, as a member of the FBHVC, of course, has announced that we'll be developing a carbon offset scheme that will be of interest to members, unless, of course, you're already driving one of those EVs, who are wanting to use historic MGs whilst doing their part. Uh, Mike Horton, the MG Car Club director that's been spearheading this, says it's a voluntary scheme that overall should help the environment and you get a car sticker that goes in your MG to say that you're doing your part, you've planted some trees for all of the miles that you've done over that year. So that's the idea behind the scheme. Historic MG owners and event organisers, actually, if you're running a big event, they'll do a bespoke offsetting scheme just for that one event so if you are a organizer of event take note we can all now continue our enjoyment of our mgs whilst playing our part to protect the environment through the new carbon balancing initiative from the fbhvc that's the federation of british historic vehicle clubs of which of course the mg car club is a major member the scheme was launched on the 15th of december and offers a quick and convenient way to carbon balance emissions thanks to the planting of new woodland here here in the UK where this podcast is being produced from. Importantly, that woodland will also be planted using native species, this is key, to best contribute to local ecosystems. Planting in this way also delivers a host of additional benefits as well, including increased biodiversity, creation of recreational spaces, we can take our MGs there for a picnic, for example, and flood mitigation as well. Stops people getting flooded further downstream. Trees hold on to water as well as carbon, I'm told. The carbon footprint of the average historic MG, very important point, this is already very low, and the FBHVC research shows that on average, just lot, we travel less than a quarter of 1% of all of the total miles travelled in the UK. So, to be honest, we're really not a problem with our classic MGs, and that figure, by the way, encapsulates all of the historic vehicles, buses, motorcycles, lorries, tractors, the lot. We're just a small part of that, so we really are not a problem. But what has come through in the Federation research that I know many MG Car Club members actually responded to was that a lot of us classic car owners, we are quite socially aware. We do want to do our bit, despite the fact that we're out having fun with our internal combustion engines. And there was a need for a scheme that people could contribute to to just do our bit really it does also help if you get someone who doesn't kind of get historic vehicles perhaps stands at a petrol station telling you you should buy an electric car when you're there with your mga you know we've all met these people who just don't seem to get it it allows us to educate them to tell them that we've done our best to offset the carbon and anything that might be coming out of that exhaust pipe. Notwithstanding the fact, of course, that uh, our cars have all paid their dues in terms of the energy expelled in their manufacture as well. They've been around a long time now. It's a fascinating subject, and it's one I thought, since the MG Car Club has announced the adoption of this scheme, that we ought to find out a little bit more about. Now, I'm no expert, 
but I do know a man who is, and he runs the company that will be administering this scheme for the FBHVC. They're called Tree V. He's called Tom Worthington, and he's on the MG Car Club podcast with me next. The MG Car Club podcast. The MG Car Club, the mark of friendship. To take advantage of our many membership benefits, access to our centers and registers, and to receive your copy of Safety Fast magazine, join us now at mgcc.go.uk. Sharing your passion for MG on the MG Car Club podcast. On this week's podcast, we're going to be talking about a very interesting subject and a subject that I think is going to become far more prominent in the historic vehicle world than it has in the past as we all grapple with how we use our historic vehicles responsibly in the shadow of climate change and all of the other problems of our time. Now, we did speak very recently on the subject of E10 fuels, and that did spark something of a debate amongst our listeners. So let's get into something uh, even more detailed about the future of historic vehicles and talk about carbon offsetting with Tom Worthington from Tree V. Hi, Tom. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Wayne. Great to be here. We announced over the NEC Classic Motor Show weekend that your organisation, Tree V, is going to be partnering with the FBHVC to roll out a carbon offsetting scheme for car clubs, club members, historic vehicle owners and events as well. We'll get into the detail of what that scheme is going to look like when it's launched towards the end of 2021 soon. But let's just have a general conversation then about carbon offsetting so firstly how does this whole scheme work i start my car i drive down the road certain things come out the exhaust how do you offset the impact of that on the environment around us sure thing so i think a couple of terms to work through first um, we all use the term carbon offsetting i think it's a nice bit of shorthand um, but the whole act of it is called carbon balancing um, does what the name says, it balances out your emissions. And there's a couple of ways you can do that. So you have carbon offsetting, which is the protection and maintenance of forestry that has already done the capturing. And then you have something called carbon capturing, which is the planting of new woodland, which over its lifetime will capture your emissions and store them up. And the scheme we're launching with the Federation, the Federation has chose to go with carbon capturing, which means there'll be lots of new woodland planted right here in the UK. Are trees really the most efficient way of dealing with this? I think there's a number of ways. Trees are one of the most efficient ways. Peatland is another great way of doing it. So on those rolling Scottish hills, all the peatland is absorbing carbon at a terrific rate. And there's lots of investigations into things like deep sea algae. Um, but we did figure that the Federation's members might struggle to visit or appreciate deep sea algae compared to uh, having a nice drive through some woodland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'd have to pull on our scuba gear to go and uh, see the impacts of that. Um, well, anyone that's got the uh, Lotus out of the James Bond film might have been okay, but everyone else might struggle. Very true. Yes, very true. Um, so I think it's a difficult concept for most people to sort of get their head around that you plant a tree in the ground and that somehow absorbs and balances out the carbon emissions from burning fossil fuels so talk us through the life cycle of a of a tree and how it achieves that i mean how long till it actually has an impact obviously as our cars and our vehicles drive along we are um, emitting 
out of our exhaust, carbon dioxide. Um, and as we all remember from primary school, trees love carbon dioxide, which is a very simple way of putting that equation. As the trees are growing through photosynthesis, they will combine carbon dioxide and light um, to create their energy. And they will then store that as sap in the trees, which locks in the carbon. So it will vary from plant to plant, species to species, location to location. And what we do when we work with our tree planting partners is they will, as a new woodland project is uh, being launched, they will do the science and the maths of working out how big a yield uh, of plants and trees they will get from that location. But on average, about 30 to 40 years is the life cycle of the trees that we've planted to carbon capture um, Federation members' emissions. We often talk about the difference between vehicles as everyday transport, if you like, and then historic vehicles. The vehicles that are used as as leisure items, as classic cars, used at the weekend and used very infrequently. And of course, the FBHVC data shows that the average historic vehicle covers around 1,200 miles a year, which is less than 0.2% of the total miles driven on UK roads over the course of 12 months. So we are just a tiny, tiny proportion of the amount of vehicle traffic out on the roads. We're not really a major problem, are we? I think that's a fair assumption. I think you alluded to it earlier, though, when you mentioned the new E10 fuels and the we are perhaps unfairly overrepresented as the problem as a classic vehicle community. I think it's very easy for those not in our world to look at a car going down the road with a with an old engine going, oh, that's terrible for the environment, not knowing that 1,200 miles a year stat. So I think there's there's an element for us here as a group and as a community to do our bit and also just represent ourselves well to the outside world. I suppose it's doing our bit, being seen to do the right thing and actually recognising that because of the way we use our classic cars, actually it's really easy for us to make an impact to the point where actually we are not the problem at all, let alone a small part of the problem. We're just not a problem at all. Exactly. We don't want to be sort of left behind in the future as our road network becomes ever more green. We don't want to be those not allowed to use it. And I think, and you talk about the community as well, I think we're a wonderful community. There's a lot that this community does to protect our heritage, to keep it going in the 21st century. Um, look at what the Federation's done with Childline, it's Drive It Day, raising money for charity. Like, we're a great community that gives a lot back, and I think this is just an other element of that. I think that all just helps to ensure that we don't become the scapegoats that I think some people may fear we're about to become. 100% I think that's the exact right word, and I think anything we can do to stop that, the better. It's great to have you on, Tom, because I think there's a, a perception amongst the motoring community that perhaps you know by inviting uh, someone who works with trees someone who's very ecologically aware onto a motoring podcast you might be giving me a hard time rather than the other way around but actually you're really behind this aren't you you really want to make this a success so that we can all use classic cars freely and with a clear conscience really Definitely. That's why we set Trevi up. Um, we got our first classic car as a family this year. We got a little Morris Minor called Myrtle. And as we were, you know, browsing the ads, trying to pick what to have and having the uh, a friendly debate around the kitchen table of which one to go for, um, we were still had that back in the back of our mind. Like, but is this right with these eco-friendly agenda? How can we do this? So we're not doing this as an outsider to the community asking you all to be green and us not be part of that. We 
are part of the community and think we can have both things at once, plastic vehicles and being green. And also there's another element to this as well. I've talked a lot about it on the podcast before, where there's the element, sure, of of emissions, fossil fuels, the oils, the lubricants that we use in our classic cars. But there's also the sense that actually the only way we're going to get our way out of the problems that the world faces is by reducing consumption, isn't it? By making sure that we get the most out of materials that have already been processed worked and used and created into things and classic cars keeping them on the road enjoying our heritage learning from that heritage for the future is all about making us realize that make do and mend might well be a way out of this problem 100 percent, a carbon captured classic that is well maintained and can do the school run and get you to the office and through a mcdonald's drive-through arguably is the cleanest vehicle on the road and i think that's all part of the messaging around what Trevi, the Federation and, and everyone in the classic car community can be doing. And it's important that we have this conversation and I hope people are listening to this podcast and just sort of soaking it in and, and perhaps share with some of your non-motoring friends because ultimately the biggest problem that we face is education, isn't it? Getting the word out there that A, we're not a real problem, we're not part of the problem and B, we are doing our bit to make sure that we can use our cars responsibly and and it's about going out there to the public and explaining this so that actually we're not scapegoated or, or blamed in any way or looked down upon do you think it really is all about the education piece the general public here i definitely think so i we were speaking to people at the classic mode show this weekend who were regaling us with similar stories at petrol stations filling up and having abuse hurled at them and i know Organisers of shows sometimes get criticism from the communities around them that, oh, now there's loads of cars coming to our area, this is terrible. And I think you're right, it's, it's, a, it's a fairly simple educational message we've touched on already that a well-maintained classic can be very eco-friendly if its emissions are cancelled. And what we want to do as part of this scheme isn't just plant trees, it is educate as well. And we're working closely with the Federation and any clubs that we are can also work with in the future to provide those educational materials as well, not just the literal saplings in the ground. Well, your organisation is called Tree V, and it's Carbon Offsetting for Motoring. Well, tell us how this all came about for you, Tom. What was your background in before this, and, and what was the light bulb moment that invented Tree V? So the light bulb moment came when we're like, ah, well, can we carbon offset this? And there wasn't a very simple solution or easy way to do that. Um, a lot of the carbon offsetting options out there are what we sort of term as sort of whole life carbon offsetting, whereas we wanted a really quick, tangible win that was very much directly you could see what we were doing. We know how many miles we drive a year, so we therefore can work out very accurately how many emissions, how much emissions we have. Um, I, it, anything else, you know, be an estimate how many times do I boil the kettle a day? Who knows? Depends how how busy work is. Um, so the light bulb moment was surely there's a simple way to carbon capture anything that is automotive because it's a very quantifiable amount of miles it does. Um, and then it grew from there. Our, our family background is we, we run another business. We've uh, run lots of business networking with small and medium enterprises. So from the background of that, it just sort of grew from there, really. And uh, your team is growing all the time, I know, but you've got some real expertise amongst the team at Tree V, haven't you? Well, seeing as this is a family-run business and one of that team is my wife, who's probably staring at me from across the room, I'll say there's a lot of expertise <laughs> in the team and they're all wonderful. Um, but yes, we are 
a family-run business. Um, there's myself, my wife, and because I am a glutton for punishment, also my mother-in-law. Um, but we're all big car fans, and it's sort of it's been really, really, really nice to sort of get out there with Myrtle, with Trevi, and just be part of a part of the group. But for a long time, we just visited car shows as a as a regular punter. So it's nice to sort of have some some wheels in the fight, so to speak. Well, we met when, of course, the FBHVC did their latest round of research studies, and that survey gave us the figure that uh, just over a third of classic car owners and enthusiasts wanted to see some kind of carbon offsetting or carbon capture scheme rolled out for the historic vehicle community. So uh, always an organisation to listen to our members, the FBHVC, went out searching. And it's been probably two years in the making, really, from the very beginning of starting to look at this to where we are now. And we went through so many different schemes, and I'm sure you've come across them in your market research as well, Tom, and they sort of vary between doing humanitarian projects in different parts of the world to offset things to sort of big funds where you can't really see a tangible output for the money uh, or also ways of planting trees that for me at least felt like we were sort of introducing invasive species into our countryside but you've tried to tick off all the boxes and and, and address all of those concerns haven't you with tree v Definitely, and I hope we have. But yes, I think ultimately the fact that we can deliver trees in the UK that are natural to the area, that will flourish in the area. We want them to flourish, otherwise they won't capture the most carbon they can. That is really important to us. Now, there's a lot of schemes out there, you've mentioned them already, and they all have their positives. And one of those things, anything that can help is a good thing. But I do think it is nice to have something tangible and recognisable for us. So tell us about where these trees go. How do you get access to the land? How does the actual physical tree landing in the ground bit work? So uh, the Federation, um, so any members and clubs that are part of the Federation that choose to capture through the Federation, um, the, the trees we planted up in near Tonswood, uh, which is up in North Yorkshire. Um, that's the first site that the Federation has picked. Um, and we will hopefully grow from there. And there is there is potential in the future, um, depending on numbers and, and the interest, to potentially even get the Federation its own forest as we work towards that. Um, but for now, it's part of a, a wider reforestation project happening around Tomswood. Um, but our tree planting partners, they, they have um, projects all over the UK. Um, and again, we, we can explore lots of variety of uh, types of trees and types of woodland and various ecosystems because they all bring their own different benefits um but for now the federation as i say have chosen one in northern england which looks a really lovely spot i love the idea that the historic vehicle community could be creating its own forest and the best way to get to that full forest outcome is to use our classic cars more and ensure that we offset every mile it's just it's just brilliant i'm well up for this <laughs> anything that gets me out in the car more i'm supportive of perhaps we can have some picnic tables in there we could do club runs out to the forest one day Exactly. Well, it gives you an excuse to use the classic, doesn't it? Do you jump in the ordinary everyday car or do you jump in the classic, which is, you know, 
helping some trees and growing some woodland. Well, you, you've got a social responsibility to enjoy your classic more, haven't you? I like that. A social responsibility to get our classic cars out of the garage. That's what we want to be doing. <laughs> As we've alluded to, we did launch a new scheme between the FBHVC, which, of course, this car club is a member and supports. Uh, so this is due to come on stream later this year, early next year. Uh, there will be a mechanism through which members of this club can go onto the Federation website, put in their own mileage and offset it that way. But there's also an option to plug in events and one-off tours as well, isn't there? Yeah, 100%. So as you say, the Federation will be launching this scheme on their website towards the end of the year. And it really is simple. So anyone that is a member, or as you say, a member of a club that's a member, uh, a bit of a twister, they can go on the website. They will just pick their vehicle type. Um, we've got the seven categories that the Federation tra tracks in their annual survey. So everything from agricultural tractors to motorcycles to cars to vans to lorries to military vehicles. You pick your vehicle type. You then choose your mileage band, small, medium and large. Um, each one's slightly different for each different category. Um, and then that will just give you a really simple price. There's no, there's no calculating to do. There's no picking of well, what input do I need to make here or there? It's a really simple process and you just check out um, at that point. As you say, we also can do it for um, club events and club rallies and um, any tours, really. Um, and they, the people that want to do that can come speak to us directly and we can give bespoke quotes to um, those people based on sort of what type of vehicles are doing the rally, the locations you're going to. You know, if you're going somewhere really sunny in the south of France, we might charge you a bit more because we're really just jealous. Um, <laughs> but otherwise, um, otherwise, yeah, we can put something together that means you're paying for exactly the miles that you do. And presumably this is worked out on the known engine size and output of a series of vehicle models, because I'm assuming a 5-litre F-type will be outputting a lot more than, you know, a, a, an X-type that has a just the 2-litre engine or something. Correct, yeah. So that's why we've been able to do such a great scheme with the Federation, because we have access to all that data that you mentioned in the annual survey. Um, so from there, we've been able to do really targeted and precise models of exactly how much carbon will come out for each vehicle type and the sort of miles they do. And then, as you say, for a club event rally, we will take on board exactly the type of car they do, the type of driving it will be, and, and then take it from there. And, and what we say to all the customers that we work with is, we just want to be guided by you. You're the experts on what your car's doing. Let us know and we'll do some maths. We do hear a lot of concern from classic vehicle enthusiasts that our hobby, taking our cars out, enjoying what we do with them, which I think to the outside world is often seen as a, a slightly elitist hobby and one for the wealthy, but in actual fact isn't because we know from the Federation survey most vehicles in the hobby are worth less than £10,000 and most people are just normal folk. They have normal incomes. It does at times feel like the costs of running a classic car are just escalating all the time. You know, we've got to pay more for our fuel now to get super unleaded and E5. We've got to now pay a bit more to offset um, our carbon output. What, what would your answer be to that point of view? I think that's a really fair point. And I don't think there's an argument to say it isn't a rising cost as a hobby. What we pride ourselves on at Trevi, though, is a very very cheap cost to do this it is a relatively small amount compared to the amount we would spend on maintaining our classics and it's a, it's a cost that we hope brings benefits to the community in the long term helps attract future members and really it's just 
good for the for, sort of the future of us all, really, um, classic car owners or not. But it is, I do agree with the point that it's a shame that we have to pay this and other road users perhaps don't feel the need to. Well, hopefully it will be enough over the coming years to educate the public, keep public opinion with us as we move forward into whatever the future holds, and most importantly, keep our classic cars on the road and keep our freedoms to use them as and when we like intact, and that's the most important thing. And and talking about enjoying those freedoms, Tom, what have you got plans for the Morris Minor next year? What have you got uh, on the cards for your trips? We just can't choose which which show to go to now. We've got a car to go in. Um, we've got a variety of things. So we're members of the Coventry and Warwickshire uh, Morris Miners branch. We've got some things planned with them. Um, we would like to sort of do a proper holiday in her, sort of maybe brave enough to sort of drive around the lake. So we shall see. I'll keep you posted. Or we'll just break down and I'll have to just ring you for a lift. Advice and help always readily given here from our car club. Uh, we're always happy to help. Even though you're in a Morris Minor, we won't hold that against you. <laughs> Well, you can find out more information on this scheme very soon via the Federation website at fbhvc.co.uk. Tom, thanks for joining us and enjoy the Morris Minor. Will do. It's an absolute pleasure. Cheers, Wayne. Subscribe to receive new episodes of the MG Car Club podcast at mgpodcast.uk.